Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we'll be starting a new uh, series as we've wrapped up uh, Easter and, and just excited uh, for this and uh, just what God has for the coming weeks and times. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in my message. So instead of being redundant, we'll just go into it. As I was preparing, uh, thinking about uh, the mission that Jesus had in coming to uh, earth and to die on the cross and to rise again and kind of what happens next, it was all about people and, and mankind and Jesus and God's love for mankind. And I was thinking about uh, my perspective of people and the places that I've been and, and just the various demographics of people. And it has a, a point to it here, but let me uh, tell you how in my short, and I stress short lifetime on earth, I've, I've been in swarms of people I've been lost in crowds and I've been in remote areas and, and isolated with just a handful of people. I've walked the downtown streets of Seattle and Minneapolis and Chicago and St. Louis and Kansas City where thousands of people are right around you uh, going about their daily lives. I've hiked to villages in the hills of Haiti where we had to drive for miles on, on an empty riverbed just to get to the spot where we can hike up to the point and you walk a, a couple miles to find just one house and then a mile later you find another house and these are just the, uh, when I say house, they're just the size of like our master bedroom in our house. I've walked the dirt roads to a, a church in Venezuela and worshiped next to people who uh, lived in houses just across this road uh, that were made out of tin sheets and, and cardboard and tarps. I've been on the shores of Oregon Beach looking out across the Pacific Ocean with no one else in sight up and down the, the, the beach there and I've relaxed in Cocoa Beach, Florida, looking out over the Atlantic. I've ventured uh, to the Space Needle in Seattle, where nearly 4,000 people visit it every single day. Last year, while in Chicago on a mission trip, we went to the famous bean, they call it. It's called the Cloud Gateway. It's that big mirror ball that anyone that goes to Chicago, you see. So if you see pictures of someone in front of a big, weird-looking ball, okay, they're in downtown Chicago, and 13,000 people visit that spot every day. And it's not an exaggeration. When we were there, you're trying to take your picture in front of it, and there's hundreds of people around this ball. I remember navigating the sky tunnels in downtown Minneapolis. Maybe you've done that. And that thousands of people each day, businessmen and women, and there's different shops and stores uh, that they're going to and from, walking through these tunnels in downtown Minneapolis. And you just, 
I felt like a fish. You're kind of going with the flow, and if you don't want to end up where you're going, you better jump out really quick, and you're bumping shoulders and uh, running into people, and it's just, it was chaos. I've encountered people of all walks of life, a humble farmer in the hills of Haiti who was growing cocoa beans and uh, taking them to the market each day to sell and try to support his family for that day. and A street musician on the busiest corner in Seattle. If you've seen, uh, they always show Pike's Place Market where they throw the big fish and you catch it. If you've seen those travel shows, uh, street musicians are there uh, throwing a dollar into their guitar case. I've played... Uh, football, not football the way we do call it, but uh, football on the same dirt roads in Venezuela. I've worked alongside men in Haiti who each day after work, we would drive back to our cabin where we're staying and we would see them bathing in what would best be described as like a creek along the roadway and they're just happy as can be washing themselves in that I've encountered Christians at dozens of concerts, drunks at dozens of sporting events, and homeless on dozens of street corners. A very rough guesstimate, I would say that I've bumped into or passed by or was in the immediate vicinity of probably a million people in my life. And God loves each one of them. Jesus died and he rose again for each one of them. I may not have spoken to each one. I'm talking, I I go to a a basketball game and there's 20,000 people in my vicinity. I'm, I'm not talking to each one, but I'm walking by them or I've passed by them or I've been in that moment. Millions of people and God knows every single one of them. I may pass by them and think, Nothing of it, but God sees them and he knows them and he loves them probably more than me, just as much as he loves me. You may be saying, okay, pastor, in the past few weeks of our our series, we've stood in the judgment scene where Jesus took my sins and he nailed them to the cross, dying to pay the ultimate sacrifice for me. Praise the Lord, he he conquered death and he rose again from the grave and he ascended to heaven where he's on the throne of God. That's what we kind of talked about last week. Now what? And this is a very good question, probably one that even the, the disciples may have been asking as they were staring up into the sky as Jesus, who has just risen from uh, the dead and is appearing to them multiple times and now tells them, wait, and uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to be my witnesses. And and he goes up into the sky. And (laughs) the Bible, if you read at the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even into Acts, they're looking up into the sky and they're probably thinking, "I I don't know what this guy is doing and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next and a couple of angels come and and speak to them resurrection 
Sunday was a glorious celebration, but it, it wasn't the end of Jesus' mission. It was really just the beginning. It was the beginning of God's plan to share the news with every single human being in mankind. His last command, we call it the Great Commission. His, his last Great Commission to the disciples is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, and Acts. To, it was to take the message to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to Samaria, and even, the Bible says, the remotest parts of the earth. Everywhere that there is a person, God wants us to reach them. In Acts, which Acts, it's called, we call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's a continuation of Luke and Luke's writing it, and he's titled it that literally because it follows the spread of Christianity during the 30 years after Jesus has resurrected. And our key verse today and, and a key moment uh, in, in the beginning of the church is happening just the way I just described it in Acts 1 8. Jesus tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And then he goes, whoa, (laughs) okay? But his commission was for them to be his witnesses, to take his news, to take what he's done in them, to take what all of his teachings, all of their experiences and what God has done in their life and share it with others. It's not just for those 12 people or the 120 that are in the upper room or just the the Jews or just the Gentiles in that area. It was for all mankind and Jesus is releasing them into that ministry. The next step in this whole process of changing the world was to empower his believers to go. But God doesn't command us without equipping us. And that's a big point of our message today and even in the coming weeks. He has gifted each of us with unique talents and gifts purposed to use for his glory. And Our doing so is our worship to him. You'll see in in Romans 12, I want to start right now with verse 1. I believe it's on, yeah, I put it on the screen. Romans 12, verse 1, and you can stay in in Romans 12. We're going to go through a few of the verses there. So Romans 12, kind of in the middle of the New Testament, um, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Romans 12, 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, and sisterin. <laughs> cistern uh, is a funny word. Anyway. Uh, not the cistern, but cistern. Anyway. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice of death. We don't need to physically die again. He paid that penalty. But God, through Paul, is urging us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. 
this concept was actually taught by Jesus as well. In Luke 9.23, he tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and, and take up their cross daily and follow me. This is our service of worship that Paul's writing about in Romans 12. The key word here is service. Worship is more than just singing songs, and it's great to have a a worship team to lead us in that. It's more uh, than just reading your Bible. It's more than coming to church. All of those are ways that we worship the Lord, but we worship him by serving as well. Jesus used this verb often. One of the times is in Matthew 20, verse 28. He says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's lots of pictures of Jesus, and he served others. Going back to Acts 1.8, Jesus' promise, You will receive power, Uh, to be my witnesses. What are witnesses? What's he want us to do? How are we his witnesses? This word is um, not a huge deep meaning to it. It is what we think it is. It's when one person who testifies uh, about another for another. But there's a powerful uh, definition of this word. that says to serve him by testimony, to serve a person by testimony. Okay, so in our context, what Jesus wants us to to be is uh, to serve Jesus by testimony, by testifying about him. We serve, we do, it's more than just telling, but it's uh, doing the things that he's asked us to do. We serve him by our testimony when we use our gifts that he has equipped us with to serve others. We point them to Jesus. So to, to summarize and, and to lay the, the groundwork for the, or my three points today, when we lay down ourself, when we serve others, we testify of Jesus. I want to break down how do we lay down our life? How do we be a living sacrifice and, and carry our cross? Then how do we serve others? And with the ultimate goal of being a witness for Jesus to everyone. A cool thing about God is how he lines up these messages. And when I was, uh, I, I wish I was uh, smart enough and organized enough to say I planned this all out. But when I went through the Easter series before that, we were in Romans. And we kind of walked through each chapter of Romans. And then I paused and we did Easter. And where we uh, come up with in our uh, study of Romans today is in Romans 12. And it talks about uh, what to do, how we serve God, how we live out what Jesus has done for us. So we're going to look at that today. 
He begins a ch- the, the chapters 12 through 15 of Romans uh, lay out specifically um, about gifts and how we use those and kind of the, the application. We kind of talked about salvation and how it's for everyone and how it was accomplished and how we have it. And, and now chapters 12 through 15 of Romans gives practical application to that. So number one is to deny yourself. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I've, I've read the first one, but I want to read the second verse with you, so we'll read the first one again. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our living sacrifice is to die to ourself, or as Jesus stated earlier, deny yourself and carry your cross. What does that look like? Carry your cross. Do I just, you know, some people put a cross on their back and hike across Highway 2. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, that guy a couple years ago walked through uh, the United States carrying his cross. Is that what Jesus wants to do? No. Let me, let me explain it this way. 2,000 years ago, it had a different connotation than it does now. Reading from uh, one of my commentator authors, he says the Christians view the cross now as a cherished symbol of atonement, forgiveness, grace, and love. We put it on our sanctuary walls. We hang it around our our neck, and we uh, observe, and, and you use it as a reminder, right? But in Jesus' day, the cross represented a torturous death. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant that one was about to die and that one would face ridicule and disgrace along the way. That's what happened with Jesus as he carried his cross to the crucifixion. We, we looked at that. So Jesus' command to take up your cross and follow me is a call to self-abasement and self-sacrifice. One must be willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Dying to self as an absolute surrender to God. After Jesus commanded cross-bearing, he said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. There's a a major message uh, just in this verse. We can't get into that today. He says, he continues, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Although the the call to take up our cross is tough, the reward is matchless. The other historical context I'd like to look at in this point is in the act of worship. Back in in this time frame, uh, a worshiper used to offer animals or or produce um, at the temple, but now is called to offer him or herself. 
For those who uh, bring something to an altar, the act of worship ended when that sacrifice was consumed. For those who offer themselves, the sacrificial act is just the beginning. The Christian is a living sacrifice, which means that worship is transferred out of the temple and into the streets. Thus, by taking up your cross and denying yourself causes the transforming or renewing of our mind. We do a factory reset. Any tech people, uh, sometimes that's what our computers need and that's what we need. There needs to be a separation from our worldly mindset to our Christ mindset. And this, we talked about it earlier in Romans, this may take time and it's the process of sanctification that when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, we have to put to an end some of the habits uh, that we had earlier. We can't live for God and still do the sins and the things that we've done before. We need to strive to, to put an end to those things. And we want to be like Christ. When we follow Christ, we want to be like him. We need to be different than the world, that when the world sees us, they can see Jesus through us. Second point, a transformed mind serves others. Romans 12, 3 through 5. He goes on to say, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We worship God by serving others. This passage is directed towards uh, the Christians. The ultimate goal of serving the church is to work together in telling others about Jesus. As one body, we serve one another. We no longer selfishly look for what benefits me, uh, but how can we benefit others? Here, Paul insists that a person with a renewed mind should look at the diversity in the body of Christ, not as an opportunity for posturing oneself of who I'm better than or what my gifting is, but, uh, but as an opportunity to, to assume the posture of a servant. Membership in the body of Christ has its responsibility, like verse 5 says, that each member belongs uh, to all the others. We work together as one body, each with individual strengths and, and giftings to do the ministry. So to the, my third and, and final point, as we serve others, we are his witnesses. Romans 12, 6 through 8, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, it, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, 
He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. To repeat an earlier statement, when God commissions us, he equips us. Okay? He gives us these gifts in, that I just read. He also has list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. You can read about Ephesians 4. And these are all gifts that are used to spread the message of Jesus to every person. That's his goal. But I also, uh, two quick things about these lists to point out. Each of these lists are not made just to inform you of a list of gifts. They're to motivate you to use whatever gift that God has given you, uh, to uh, use it, not to let it sit, okay? And that neither this list or the other two is an exhaustive, complete list that if you have, uh, you know, you have a gift that's not listed, man, you can still use that gift, uh, for the kingdom of God. It's not a comp- these aren't complete lists. Their primary purpose for him saying these things is to motivation. After each one, he said, use it. If your gift is prophecy, use it. If it's service, use it. If it's teaching, use it. Next Sunday, uh, as I'll be gone for the missions trip, um, we'll have uh, a very good speaker uh, here for you, and so I encourage you uh, that more of you should show up than you do when I'm speaking. This guy will kill it, and he'll be better than anything I've ever... No, just kidding. Um, but his name's Dave Bennett, and he's uh, a professor at Trinity Bible College. Um, he's done a lot in ministry, and um, specifically, probably in the past 10 years, he uh, focused his studies, and I believe he even got his doctorate on uh, Christians developing, um, finding their g- unique gifts, and using it uh, for the church. And so he's going to speak next week on that, and 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 it's going to flow right with what our message is uh, today and, and the following weeks. And so I'm excited. You will be blessed by uh, his ministry next week, and. If you are a follower of Christ, he has a job for you, and he has equipped you to do it. I had a quick story I was going to tell, but I'll skip it with time. But I worked for an employer that told me to do stuff and didn't equip me to do it, and he would get mad that I didn't do it right. So if you're going to tell someone uh, to do something, praise the Lord that God equips us when he tells us to do something, okay? As we wrap up this message, I'm going to be honest with you. The next few moments, I might step on some toes. So if you want to get them back under your seat uh, here, I'm going to ask you to do uh, something a little bit crazy in a few moments. But first, this body of Christ right here in this, the four walls of this church, this body of Christ needs you. We have a lot of people in our area. You guys come from uh, towns all around this area, and our our reach is great. And we need to take the good news of Jesus to these people, and we accomplish it in a couple of different ways, within the ministry of our church and within the ministry outside of our church. 
We have church services here that we need help with, and we have outreaches uh, to do that that we need help with. It's so fulfilling to be part of a ministry in the church. I don't say that uh, just as a pastor. Uh, I say that as a person who grew up in church, that when you're part of something great, and man, building God's kingdom is amazing. It has great rewards, um, and most of it is just the satisfaction and the fulfillment of, of seeing lives changed. Okay, the nursery, it's loud. I can hear them today. I'm not going to be mad about that. I'm going to rejoice because I've been in churches that had nobody under 18, and it was quiet, and it was dead. Um, they are the future uh, Christians and, and leaders of our, our church in this great uh, nation. And working in the nursery is a chance to, to be some of the first introductory uh, lessons to them, to these children, about who God is. And it can be simple. It's more than uh, just babysitting or, or just watching them, okay? I have a, a bratty toddler that's in there, and I apologize, but he needs Jesus, okay? And he doesn't always listen to me, so he can listen to you, okay? Uh, kids' church is an awesome opportunity to go a little bit deeper and to lay the foundations for uh, those children's faith in God. Just last week, we had three kids raise their hand and ask Jesus into their life and choose to follow him. And I know there's a lot of kids in there. And just in the, in the past, because of Kids Church and you uh, leaders uh, with them, there's a lot of kids in there who have given their life to Jesus. We're getting the youth ministry going. And it's extremely important that these are formative years to help students learn and to grow in their relationship with God, that when the storms of life come, the real world, we call it, and they're going out on their own, and they, they're mixed up, and they have a lot of different messages, they have the Bible, and they have a foundation that they learn about in church. We may not see it, they may be straying uh, from it, but they, they will remember, they will remember, and we pray for them. Other ministries in our church that is crucial is the hospitalities, the greeters, the ushers, the audio and uh, visual department. I know it takes a bit more training and knowledge uh, to run this stuff, but we really need uh, more people to help. Hopefully you didn't notice it last week, but our two main guys were out and we kind of scrambled a little bit. But praise God, I I can't remember who I was telling, but Jesus didn't have words on the screen and, and an, an amazing uh, worship team when he preached, so I guess I don't need one either, but it probably helps me to do better, but anyways. So would you stand with me, and I want to challenge you today that God has placed in you talents and abilities, giftings that he wants you to use for his ministry. I'm going to ask you uh, in our closing today to do something that, uh, that's going to stretch you a little bit, okay? You can be mad at me later. My phone number's in the newsletter. You can let me have it, okay? But we're going to close uh, praying together up at the front. And so I'm going to ask you uh, to all come up around the altar and we just want to pray together. 
It doesn't have to uh, pray out loud. Uh, We're not going to make every single one of you pray, but we are a body of Christ. And walking to the front and praying together up here together shows unity and that we want to do what God has placed in our life to do. And we want to seek him today. God, how can you use me uh, to, to reach other people? If you would have saw me uh, as a teenage boy, I probably would never would have spoke to you. I was so shy and so timid. I didn't talk to anyone. I was scared. And God uh, developed the gifts in me, and he equipped me uh, to be able to stand on a stage and, and preach the good news and be able to go to uh, people uh, in other countries and pray for them and go into the downtown streets and, and talk to people. God equips you uh, when he calls you, and he has called you. He's commissioned you to go. So would you join me up at the front? We're going to make everybody come up here. I instructed the ushers that anyone who stays back, you're going to give double to the offering. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. I should say we also give discounts for those who serve. So if you serve the church, you only have to give 5%. No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. But I want to ask you guys to, to not just stand here today, but be in prayer of how you can use the gifts that God has blessed you with. Some of you can teach. Some of you uh, can encourage. One of the gifts uh, that Paul, uh, we read about in Romans 12 is the gift of exhortation. Some people may say, I can never sit in a nursery. I can't get up in front of people uh, to talk. But man, there's a mighty gift in prophecy and exhortation that he explains and he he lists in here that you can encourage one another. You know how hard it is to serve the Lord and people need to be encouraged in their walk with God. That's a great gift to have. Uh, You may think, "I I don't know, God put a verse on my mind to tell someone, but man, what if they don't like it? What if it doesn't speak to them? Man, if you can encourage them, I guarantee it's gonna speak to them. It's gonna be right on. Okay, and those are uh, gifts. Those are just a couple. We're going to go through the gifts uh, in the coming weeks and kind of help to understand those. But uh, we just want to close in prayer. Uh, How can God use us? So as I pray, uh, pray with me. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another that this church would be a great light into the community that as we go out, that we would take Jesus with us, whatever our gifting is. So Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you for this challenge. God, uh, the mission starts now. You're, com- you're commissioning us to go and praise God. You equip us to do the thing that you've called us to do. So whatever it is, God, lay on our hearts today. God, what that mission is and how we accomplish it, how we speak to one another, how we use our gifts. It could be serving someone else, fixing their car or working in their yard or their house and blessing them. It could be giving. Uh, You tell us to give uh, uh, abundantly if that's our gift, and some of us have that gift. There's so many uh, talents that are represented in this body of Christ right here in the front of the church standing with me today, and I pray that you would help us to unlock those. Maybe we've never seen it. 
Maybe we don't know. We want to serve you, God, but we don't know uh, what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to do that. Unlock it for us today. Holy Spirit, speak to each person right now. Hallelujah, Lord. We just surrender our life to you. We deny ourselves. We lay down our life. We're taking up our cross. We're saying we want to serve others, Lord, today, this day. God, that, that uh, we would see a difference in our personal life, that uh, we're, fulfill, we're feeling fulfilled as we inspire others, as we reach out to others, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. I pray that you'd uh, just plant ideas and creative ways in our hearts. And you created the world. You're a God. You're a creative God. You can give us creativity in how we do things for you, God, that it would all be uh, to glorify and lift up your holy name. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, God. I thank you guys for coming to the front as I was debating how to uh, ask for a response. I know it's sometimes maybe awkward, what am I doing up here? But now God has commissioned you uh, to go and to use these gifts. So if it's in any of these areas that I've mentioned and come to one of the leaders and volunteer to to help out, or if it's anything outside of the the church that God has helped you to, to see a need for, man, come and talk to us as uh, our speaker next week, uh, I call him Brother Bennett, Pastor Bennett uh, comes. Um, man, just be ready to understand and just discover the gifts that uh, God has laid in your heart. We're going to uh, close in a song, and um, as we do, sing with us, and I'm going to ask the ushers, we'll take up a special offering for the Hanis. And just we'll take it as we're uh, leaving the room today. So ushers will be at the back door. Just drop your offering in the basket um, as you are dismissed today. But sing this song with us as we go out. you are dismissed to go remember if you're in the Sykeston group we want to meet with you uh, in the back and if you're in, going on the missions trip in the fellowship hall I promise 10 minutes or less missions trip 10 minutes or less thank you